Good morning, Lakeview Church. Just want to take a moment uh, to just look right in the camera and welcome everybody who's joining us online. We're so glad that you are with us today. And at the end of this message, we're going to celebrate communion. And so if you are joining us online, this is a great opportunity. I'm going to talk for a little bit here before I get into the message. This is a great opportunity for you to gather the elements for communion. So if you want to get some bread or some crackers and some juice, any juice will do, but if you've got grape juice, that'll be perfect. And we just encourage you to grab that, get that together. And then at the end of the service, we'll pray to consecrate the elements. Those here in the room and at home where you're at and uh, you can join with us in the act of communion. So we want to encourage you uh, to prepare for that uh, as we walk through the rest of this service. Uh, I want to thank all of you who are here in the room for being here. It is always, always, always wonderful for us to be together. And I know that this is something I look forward to every week where we can gather together, worship the Lord, learn from his word, and grow to be more like him. And so I just want to say thank you for being here uh, in the room today. We're so glad that you're here. And uh, as we get into this service, I do want to take just a couple of minutes, kind of pastoral privilege if I can, before we get into the message. This doesn't count against my time. I just want to say that. So, so that's why I got to preface that statement there, just saying this is not part of the message, so don't, don't count this. Okay, um, But I want to just say a couple of things. First of all, on behalf of the pastoral staff, I just want to say thank you. I know Bob expressed that thanks for us earlier, but I want to just take a moment to say thank you for all of the cards and notes, the, the little gifts and goodies that you've given to us throughout the month. Um, I, I think we're showing it a little bit, so thank you. I, um, but man, so many good little treats that wound up in those boxes, and there's still time left. So if you've got some more goodies, we'll take them. They were so good. Thank you so much for your kindness to us. I just want to say it is a privilege for us to serve alongside each and every one of you. We really do feel that as a staff. We love you as our church family. And we don't see ourselves as people who are kind of in a different category. We just see ourselves as people serving with you, right alongside of you. And uh, we believe as Dr. Trent shared in her prayer, we believe God's given us a mission, and God's called us together for this time and this season to work on what he's given us to do, and we are so honored and privileged and blessed to be a part of this great church and to be a part of working on God's kingdom initiative in this part of the world with you. So thank you for that privilege. Some of you were here last night and you saw this amazing thing that we had going on around here. Uh, we had trunk or treat here last night and a hundred of you were serving, uh, whether you set up a trunk or you were driving a tractor so people could take hay rides or whether you were manning a bounce house or cooking hundreds of hot dogs or making a gazillion bags of popcorn. Uh, we had so many people doing so many different things and so many great costumes. Uh, the Mandalorian was well represented last night, um, and so so happy to see that. But just such a great time. We had 100 people serving, and we had 1,500 guests. It was amazing. Uh, I think that there was something like 20 or 30,000 pieces of candy handed out, 
And um, we just, uh, I think, showed up last night as a church to serve our community and to do that well. And if you were here last night and you served, would you just quickly stand so that we can just honor you for your investment in our church and in our community? If you set up a trunk, you made hot dogs, whatever you did, just stand up. We just want to say thank you so much for all that you did to make that possible. Uh, so thank you for each and every one of you who did that. I also want to just make you aware of the fact that we've got baptism coming up very soon. I know we've talked about that in recent weeks, and I just want to say it again. Uh, we've had so many of you already sign up for that, and we are grateful. But if you raised your hand a couple of weeks ago and said, I want to be baptized, or if since uh, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago in the message, you actually decided, you know what, I want to be baptized, or right now in this very moment, you're you're hearing about it for the first time, you're like, I think I want to be baptized. What I want to encourage you to do is go to our website, lakeviewwesleyan.org, and right on that first page, you will find a next steps tab. And if you uh, just scroll right over that, you're going to see baptism there, and you can sign up to be baptized, and we will reach out to you, and uh, we'll make sure that we help you get prepared for baptism, which is coming up on Sunday, November 21st. So we want to encourage you to do that and to be a part of it. Now, I know that Jared mentioned a couple of needs, uh, prayer needs, in our uh, church during his prayer, which I appreciated. And even just as we were sitting here, I was getting a text from Stephen in Geneva, who remember last week we walked through a vow renewal ceremony with them. And uh, they went away on a little second honeymoon after renewing their vows, went to southern Indiana. And uh, while they were there, Stephen had a heart attack. And uh, they reached out to me um, uh, to let me know that that was happening. They got him to a hospital there. Um, obviously, that's not something they had planned to go through or wanted to go through. And yet, uh, Stephen and Geneva both have communicated to me just how much they sense God was just watching over them in the middle of that. Stephen had undergone some tests here, and they were trying to figure out what was going on, but had been unable to identify what the issue was. And then he has this heart attack and ends up at a hospital, and in that hospital is an expert uh, in this particular field dealing with the heart. And he got exactly the care he needed in exactly the moment that he needed and was able to identify the problem. They were able to put a stent into the artery that was blocked, and uh, he's just at home recovering. And so I know that we have already prayed in this service, but I want to pause again, and I want to just pray for Stephen and Geneva. I know they're at home today. Stephen's recovering. He's got a long road to recovery in front of him. But I want to just pray for them, that God will continue to watch over them, even as he's already done. And then after this prayer, I promise... I've got a message that I'm going to share with you, so let's pray together. God, thanks so much for this time that we could be together in your presence with your people. God, you promise that when we gather like this, you are right in our midst, and you're here in this room, and you're here with the people who are joining us online. You are in our midst. We welcome you here, God. And even right now, as we're thinking about Stephen and Geneva, we're so grateful for the work that you're doing in their lives, the way that you've called them back to yourself, and the way that you've reshaped and are reforming their marriage with one another. God, we give you thanks and praise for the work that you are doing. And God, even this week, as Stephen had a heart attack and had to go to the hospital while they were away, God, you were looking out for them 
You are watching over them. You are faithfully guarding them, and we give you thanks for that. God, thank you for putting him in front of the right people at the right time to give him the care that he needs. And God, as he is at home recovering today, I pray that you would let your hand rest upon him. Give him your healing touch. Restore him to full strength. And God, make yourself known to them and through them because of this circumstance. And God, for what you do, we'll give you the thanks. And now God, as we turn our attention to the scriptures that have already been read, would you speak to us? Speak to us through your word. Let us have open ears to hear and a willingness to respond in faith and in obedience to whatever you lay on our hearts today. For what you do, we're going to give you the thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we've been saying this for a while, and hopefully you're starting to get the hang of it, but we believe Lakeview Church is an everyday church for everyday people where every single day we follow Jesus, we live generously, and we make a difference. We spent the last several weeks in a message series from the first eight chapters of the book of Romans. Romans is a letter that a guy named Paul in the first century wrote to some Christians in Rome, a group of Christ followers like us gathered in Rome, Jews and Gentiles, all different walks of life, but they'd come together in the body of Christ. And Paul writes this letter to them to kind of lay the foundation of the faith. And we looked at the first eight chapters of this particular letter over the last several weeks. And as we did, we were really focused in on the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ. Because as we read in Romans chapter 1, the the gospel or the good news of Jesus is the power of God saving everyone who believes. And so we really have spent the last several weeks kind of digging in to understand what is the good news of Jesus Christ because we want to experience the power of God that saves everyone who believes. And so as we've walked through that, really what we've been focused in on is the fact that as human beings, we are sinful. We, we miss the mark. Remember, we talked about the, the marksman, the, the, the person with the bow who pulls back the string and aims at the target. We said that God has pulled back our lives and he's aimed us at a target. But as human beings, we find ourselves actually living not on target with what God has aimed us at, but we find ourselves living off target. We miss the mark that God intends for our lives. And we spent time talking about the fact that because God has a plan and a purpose and an intention that we have missed in our lives, that God is angry, and rightfully so. He created us. We, we are made by him for a specific purpose, with a specific plan and intention in mind. And we kind of have just ignored that. We've gone our own way, and so God, our creator, is angry. And yet in his anger, he doesn't act in vengeance or wrath. He acts in love and in mercy, which is the most amazing thing about God. It's what makes the the story of Christ good news. Because God in his anger could have acted in vengeance and wrath, but that's not what he did. In love and in mercy, he sends his son to die for us 
So that when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, we believe in him, our sins are forgiven and we actually get a brand new start. God picks us up off of this path that's off target and he puts us back on the right path and kind of re-aims our life in the direction that we're supposed to go. And, and when that happens, we get a brand new beginning. We are born again, as the scripture said, a whole new start, a fresh slate. And we walk this journey. And the longer we walk this journey of following Jesus, we actually begin to walk into the freedom that God intends for us to have, that God doesn't want us to go on sinning. He wants us to actually live a life that stays on target with the plan, the purpose, and the intention that he has for us. And so really, if we were to summarize everything that we've said in these last few weeks, we would say that the good news of Jesus Christ is that as we follow Jesus, we experience forgiveness and we find freedom. This is the good news of Jesus Christ, that as human beings, though we live our life off target, just in our natural disposition, as we learn to follow Jesus, we experience forgiveness and we find freedom and God reorients our lives to live life on target. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. And as we as we find this forgiveness, as we find this freedom and we begin to live in it, we, we begin to discover pretty quickly that our lives are intended not just to follow Jesus, but to go beyond that. Our lives are to be used by God for his purposes and his plans in the world. That God's purposes and plans are not just for you as an individual and what he wants you to experience. It's not just about the work that God wants to do in you. It's about the work that God wants to do through you. That God has a plan and a purpose and an intention, not just for you, but, but through you. God wants to accomplish something through your life. Which is why we say here at Lakeview Church that we follow Jesus and then we learn to live generously. This is the way the book of Romans continues the story. When you fast forward from where we ended last week in Romans chapter 8 and you move to Romans chapter 12, in the very first verse, what you discover is that God expects us to live generous lives. Here's what Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. You see, following Jesus leads to living generously. Following Jesus leads to living generously. We don't live generously to try to earn God's love or earn God's favor or somehow get God to forgive us. That's the wrong motivation to live generously. We live generously not as a way to get God to do something for us. We live generously because of what God has already done for us. Right? It's a response. We follow Jesus, and when we follow Jesus, we experience forgiveness, and we find freedom. And as we continue on that journey, we learn to live generously. 
Now, there are just a few things I want to point out from this first verse of Romans chapter 12, and then we're going to get into the heart of what I want to share with you today. But the first thing is that we do learn to live generously as we follow Jesus, right? And the reason that we say that is because Romans 12, 1 says what? That we are to give our bodies to God. And this word body is an interesting word because it doesn't just mean like, kind of the spiritual parts of our lives as if we could give the spiritual parts of our lives to God and then do whatever we want with our bodies. That's actually not what scripture teaches at all. Scripture teaches that you and I, we are actually called to to give not just the spiritual parts of our lives to God, but our physical bodies as well. Right? Christianity is rooted in the reality of this earth. And so what we do with our bodies, it matters. Where we go, what we say, what we think, what we do with our hands and our feet, it it touches on issues of our sexual preferences and, and lifestyle. We can't just say that our heart belongs to God and we get to do whatever we want with our bodies. That's not the Christian faith at all. The Christian faith is that we give the spiritual part of our life to God and it impacts every part of our being. This word that Paul uses here is a word which literally means your body and everything that you do with it. In other words, we take all of who we are and all that we do and we give it to God. Why would we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked because that leads me to the next point. Living generously is rooted in God's generosity. Why would you give all that you are and everything that you do to God? Why, why would you do that? Why would you submit every part of your being completely to God? Well, it's not to earn God's favor. It's not to get God to forgive you. It's not to somehow work your way into a place where God will love you more because that's not the gospel. God didn't send Jesus because of everything you've done for him. God sent Jesus so that you could live your life for him, right? And sometimes we get it backwards. We think that somehow we work our way into the Christian faith and the reality is you actually can't do that. There's not enough work you could do to ever get there. Because what you needed is not more good works in your life. You needed a savior. You needed someone to rescue you. And God did that in Jesus. And so why in the world would we give ourselves to God? Well, because of all that God has done for you. That's why you would do it. You see, you follow Jesus, and as you follow Jesus, you experience forgiveness, you find freedom, and in that moment, you recognize that you don't have those things because you earned them. You have those things because God was loving and merciful to you. And when you recognize that, you just take this one and only life that you've got, and you just give it back to God. That's why you live generously because your life isn't your own anymore. You were bought with a price, 
a price that was paid by God himself. And so every single part of who you are just goes back to God. And you just let him have your life, which means you don't hold on to it. This, this, is, this is greed and this is generosity. When you hold on to your life, Jesus said you lose it. But when you lose your life for his sake, that's when you find it. You follow Jesus and you learn to live generously because God is generous. It's rooted in his generosity. Which brings me to the third thing that I want to share. And then I'm going to share another scary thought with you. But third point. We are called to be living sacrifices. We are called to be living sacrifices. This passage says that he's pleading with us to offer our bodies to God. Everything that we are and all that we do. Why? Because of what God has done for you. And as you do that, what are you? You are a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to him. In other words, you take your life and you lay it on the altar, not as a sacrifice that is to be offered to God in death, but a sacrifice that is to be offered to God moment by moment and day by day and week by week as you live your life for God alone. We are called to be a living sacrifice. And that's what we're gonna talk about for the next several weeks. What does it look like for us to be living sacrifices in this world that we live in, in our daily and weekly lives? What does it look like for us to offer ourselves back to God as a living sacrifice? Now here's the other scary thought. That was the introduction, not to the message, to the series. Now we're gonna get into today's message. Paul, right after he says we should be living sacrifices, turns his attention to a series of topics which we're going to unpack over the next several weeks. And the topic for today is the first topic that Paul covers in Romans chapter 12. Right after he says you should be a living sacrifice, he quickly turns his attention to say what does that look like for the community of faith? When he says you should be a living sacrifice, one of the very first places that it shows up is it should show up in the way that we live with each other inside of the body of Christ. And so today, just for the next few minutes, I want to just talk to you about what it looks like for us to be a living sacrifice as we offer our gifts back to God. That's what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12. And I think that as he unpacks, beginning in verse three, what this looks like for the community, he's really talking about what it means to be a generous community. What are the marks of a community that is captured by this idea that because of what God has done for us, our lives now belong to him? What does that look like inside of a community? What, what are the marks of a generous community? I think there are four of them that Paul talks about in this passage. The first one is humility. Humility. And he begins by saying, I want to offer you a warning. I want to offer you a warning, Paul says. What's the warning? Don't think that you are better than you are. 
Instead, you should, you should have an honest view of yourself. This is an important place for a generous community to start, and here's why. Because this community is not actually rooted in anything of this earth. So, so outside of this community, you might have a title. You might have attained some kind of status or some kind of level of authority in the, in the world. But inside of this community, we actually find ourselves on level ground. Because that title in here doesn't get you anything. Right? God doesn't say, oh, oh, you have that title? I will treat you better now. God doesn't say that. God doesn't say, oh, you have that kind of education? I'm going to treat you better than I treat these other. God doesn't do that. Not inside of the church. Oh, you have that much money? Guess what? God owns it all. So when you come inside of his family and his body, he's not saying, oh, you've got that kind of money? Well, let me put you up here above everyone. God doesn't do that. So the warning is when you come inside of the community of faith, don't think you're better than you are because God knows who you are. And what he knows about each and every one of us, regardless of our education or lack thereof, regardless of our economics or lack thereof, regardless of our status or our fame or our position, regardless of any of that, what is true about every single person inside of the community of faith is that we have all sinned. And we all fall short of God's glorious standard and God has been angry at every single one of us. We all needed his grace. And guess what? His grace was given to us freely, unmerited. You didn't do a single thing to earn it and you can't earn it. And so when you come into the body of Christ, you don't have a choice but to be humbled because everything you've got in here came from God. Everything you've got inside the body of Christ is built on the work you could not do for yourself. But God in his love and mercy did it for you. So we all start at the same place inside of the church. Now, now that's, that's kind of one way to think about humility, and I think it's right, because I think there are people who come in to the church with a lot of pride, and what the gospel does is it brings them down to this level and says, no, no, not in here. You can only boast in Jesus. Can only boast in Jesus, and so it lowers us. But there's another group of people who come into the church, and they come into the church feeling like they're nothing, Maybe they don't have money. Maybe they don't have any kind of status, any kind of power to speak of in our worldly culture. And so they come into the church and some people actually come in with what I would call low self-esteem. And some people actually equate low self-esteem with humility and they're not the same thing. God does not ask you to feel bad about yourself. That's not what God asks you to do. God asks you to recognize that you are created in his image and that even when you were living life off target, you were still worth saving. Which means you can't come into the church and think you're nothing. 
think that you're not worth much or that you don't matter because you absolutely do. There are some of you who who come in and your self-esteem is in the basement. And we don't even have a basement in this church. But you think your self-esteem is there. And I want to just let you know, God sent his son for you. You matter. You have worth and you have value. And so for you, the gospel doesn't lower you. It raises you up and says, here, be at this place on level ground with everyone else. The church has to have that. We have to be that kind of church that says the the ground at the cross is level and everybody stands on the same plane in God's kingdom. There are no favorites in God's kingdom. It doesn't work that way. So don't think that you're better than you are, but don't think that you're worse than you are. Take an honest assessment of what God says about you and let that be the foundation that your life is built on. That's what humility is. We've got to be a church of humility. Secondly, diversity. Right? We're talking about marks of a generous community. And here's what we know, is that, that when we're talking about a body, we actually need different parts that do different things. Otherwise, your body just doesn't work so well. If every part were a hand, you could slap a lot of people. You just couldn't walk to them. Right? We have to have different body parts. And when all of those body parts are using their differences, the body actually functions the way it's intended to function. And in Romans chapter 12, Paul makes this point when he says, just as our bodies have many parts, many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, there's lots of different people that make up the body of Christ, right? Humility is really important because it levels the foundation, But in that level foundation, the reality is is that there are lots of different people. We have different personalities and different passions, things that we care about. There are things that we have burdens that are on our heart for, and some of us are burdened for this issue, and some of us are burdened for this one, and we bring those to the table. And God's given us different talents and abilities. Some of us are are task-oriented. We like checking things off lists. We will do things that are not on a list and we will write them on a list and we will check them off because it feels good to do that. And others of us think, lists? What would you need a list for? Because we don't see any task. We just see people and we want to hang out with people and love people and have a party with people. That's all we care about. right? And it takes all kinds. Some of us are very structured We like meetings and agendas and controlled environments. And others of us are spontaneous. We don't want any agenda. We just want to be able to go and hang out and have fun. And we have all different kinds of abilities and talents. Some of us are detail people. We love details. And others of us didn't even know details existed. 
I mean, there are people in this world, I like to call them crazy makers. They literally do not see details. They just have big ideas that make the world around them crazy. And then there are people around them who take these big ideas and then put all the details together. And people have those big idea, crazy maker people. They have no idea that details even exist. It takes all kinds. We have people who are upfront people and we have people who are behind the scenes people. We have people who serve by setting things up. We have people who have technical skills. We have people who are really good with kids. And then we have people like me who should not be around kids. It's just, it's just not good. Right? All different kinds. And here's what I want you to know. If the body of Christ did not celebrate diversity, then the body of Christ cannot be effective in the way God intended it to be. We need diversity because that's the way God designed it, right? It takes all kinds, doing all different kinds of things. The different parts coming together actually make the body work. And so we need that. Humility, diversity, and then third, unity. When you get diversity and you get all kinds of personalities and perspectives and passions and, and gifts and abilities, if you don't have unity, you got a problem. You got a problem. Because you get people in a boat together and if everybody decides to row in their own direction, that body's not effective. We actually need unity because we need to recognize that what brings this diverse group of people together is actually one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's over all and through all and in all. And we set our eyes on him and we pursue him. And as we do, all of the differences begin to come together under his leadership and his lordship and we go in one direction together. We have to have unity. It's unity that makes your body work. I mean, just imagine if one leg wanted to go one direction and one leg wanted to go the other. You would never get anywhere. You would literally stay stuck. And, and what if you tried to get your body to walk across the room so that you could get some food and, and your body just said, we're not working together today. We're just gonna go do our own thing. You wouldn't be able to do that little simple task. It's many parts, but it's one body, one body. And Paul makes this clear that the church ought to be founded in humility because we're not here because of who we are. We're here because of who Jesus is. And we're all different, but we're part of one body with one mission and one purpose which leads me to the last thing that I'll say from this passage. And that is that a generous community is called to service. How do many parts come together in unity? They come together in unity by serving alongside of each other to see the mission fulfilled. We actually need you. Not just because we need a warm body to fill a spot. We actually need your personality and your passions and your gifts and your abilities. Why? Because that's how God designed it to work. 
That's the way God created it. And when we do things the way God intended them to be done, there's blessing in that. Right? And so we are called to service. In this passage of scripture, as we look at these verses, Paul says this, once I get there, one more. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Every single person in the body of Christ, every single person is called to service. You're called to service. It's the way God intended it to function. You don't age out. You don't retire. You don't ride off into the sunset. Not in the church. You can do that in the world, but not in the church. Because everybody has gifts and talents and abilities that God has given you that are intended to be used to build his church and advance his purposes in the world. You are called to service. And what we know is that in most churches, only 20 to 30% of the people actually serve. I mean, if you just study the church in North America, let's just talk about the North American church. What we know is that usually it's around 20% of God's people who are doing most of the work that needs to be done. Which I might just point out that that might be one of the reasons the church in North America is not winning. We're actually not doing things the way God designed them to be done. And if we want to become everything that God wants us to be, well, we should do things the way God wants them done. That's what we're called to. We are called to service. Because we are people who follow Jesus. We have experienced forgiveness. We have found freedom. And in response to what God has done for us, we offer our lives as a living sacrifice. And one of the first ways that we do that is by offering our gifts in service so that the church can be built up and the purposes of God can be fulfilled in the world and God can be glorified. So how would we get involved in service? Let me suggest some next steps for you. First, I want to just encourage you to take an honest assessment of your service. Where are you serving? Are you serving? And if so, where and how often? Is that place of service a place that matches the gifts and abilities that God has specifically given you? Or are you just doing it because someone twisted your arm? I don't want you to serve because someone twisted your arm. I want you to serve because the God of the universe saved your soul and you just want to give an offering of gratitude back to him by doing what he has created you to do. And so are you serving in a place that God has gifted you to serve? And, and when you ser- serve, and, and when you serve, are you giving it your all? Or is it kind of half-hearted? Are you doing it with excellence? Are you doing it as unto the Lord? Because that's what we're called to as his people, to serve with all of our heart, with the gifts and abilities he has given to us so that his church can be built and his purposes can be fulfilled. Secondly, I want to encourage you to evaluate the obstacles 
that are, that are standing in your way to service. Find the obstacles that are between you and a fruitful place of service. You think you're too busy? Well, you should think again. Right? Because some of us will say, that, oh, I'm just so busy. And here's the reality. That's actually not something God lets you say. God doesn't say, oh, you're too busy. You don't need to use your gifts. It's fine. God actually doesn't ever say that. There's not like, there's not like a fine print in the Bible where it's like, oh, good, I got an out. Nope. That's not the right. The question isn't, am I too busy? The question is, what do I need to give up so that I can serve? Think that you're too important to serve? Think again. I offer you this warning. Don't think you're better than you are, right? You can't think of yourself like, oh, that's beneath me. No, no, you're, uh, you're in the church. And inside of the church, it's level ground. And we are all called as many parts of one body to serve and to do it with everything that we've got. Think that you're not capable of serving? Think again. Because God has given to each and every one of us gifts and abilities to be used to build the body of Christ and to advance his purposes in this world. Find the obstacles to your service and then let the Holy Spirit of God help you eliminate those obstacles so that you can step into the service that God's created you for. And then finally, and I want to go as fast as I possibly can, join the dream team. Back at the beginning of this year, we kind of reoriented our culture of serving here at Lakeview Church, and we're still in the process of doing that. But the way that we did that is we basically just banned the word volunteer. And we actually have a swear jar in our office. You know how if you swear, you got to put like a quarter in? If, if anybody on our staff says volunteer, it's a quarter, except I think we made it a dollar because we actually want to do something fun with the money. And so um, we just decided we needed more money than the quarters were going to get us. So, um, but we just kind of got rid of the word volunteer because we don't, we don't really want you to volunteer. We want you to find your ministry. And that's different than volunteering. Now, it is volunteer because we're not going to pay you. So in that sense, it's still volunteering, but we kind of wanted to reorient the culture. And so we created what we call the dream team, and where that comes from is this idea that God has given us a new dream, a new vision of the future of where he wants us to go as a church, and it's gonna take a team to make that dream a reality. And so we've invited you to join the dream team, and I just wanna say, 135 of you have done just that. Now, I want to let you know that's 50% of our church. Yeah, that's worth a hand clap. We are outpacing most churches in North America right now for the number and percentage of people in our church who are on the dream team, who are serving on a regular basis in our church. That's a wonderful thing. And I want to just say, to those of you who are part of that 135, I just want to thank you. Because we started this process in January, and we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> we didn't. We're just making it up as we go along. We just sensed we needed to reorient the culture around this particular issue, and so we created a whole new way of doing it. And you, as 135 people, you just said, sure. 
Thank you. You're amazing. I mean, you are early adopters. And some of you have never been categorized that way in your life, but you're an early adopter. Thank you. And over these last several months, you have given us your feedback. Thank you for that even more. Because what we know is that we're going to start things and they're not going to be perfect because we don't wait for things to be perfect to launch things. Because things don't get launched when you wait for them to be perfect. We launch them and then we, we just keep making them better. That's what we do around here. And so we started the dream team. We announced it in January. We launched it in February. 135 of you have gone through the process. You've joined the dream team. You're serving on a regular basis. Thank you. And you've given us your feedback. And now we've got a better process. Now, over the next few months, you're going to give us more feedback and we're going to make it better still. Because again, that's how we do things here. But you've helped us streamline this process. You've helped us get rid of all of the unnecessary stuff. And there was lots of unnecessary stuff. We just got rid of it. And you helped us. Thank you. Someone had to lead the way and you led the way. So thank you for doing that. Now, I want to talk to the other half of you. Because the other half of you haven't joined the dream team yet. And there are lots of things that may be holding you up from doing that. I just want to get really practical right now. And I want to, I want to invite you seriously to join the dream team. Because what I'd love to report in a few months is that we have 80% of our people who are serving. 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work in most churches. I want our church to have 80% of our people doing the work. I want to I flip the script. And you can help us do that. Now, there are lots of reasons that you aren't serving. Some of you aren't serving because you're like, I'm already serving. I just am not doing that dream team thing. And I want to just encourage you to give that a second thought. Because the dream team is not just about going through a process that we've created. It's about creating a culture. And what we want you to know are the values that drive the dream team process. And we want you to know not just about the little area that you are serving in. We want you to be focused there because that's what God's called you to do. But we actually want you to know the big picture of serving at Lakeview so that you understand all of what God is doing and where your part fits in the process. And our dream team orientation helps with that. So I want to encourage you, if you're already serving, to join the dream team. Go through the process. I promise we will not make it cumbersome. I just want to encourage you to join the dream team and become a part of what God's doing. You say, when could I do that? I'm so, so glad you asked. Next Sunday, we have our next dream team orientation. And here's what I want to invite you to do. I want to invite you to come to the orientation. In fact, we've got another slide, and I want to just put it up and kind of walk through the process so you know exactly what to expect. Dream Team Orientation is happening next Sunday right after church. We'll provide some snacks for you to tide you over till lunch. We're not going to keep you more than an hour. In fact, most of our orientations last between 30 and 45 minutes, but we will make a commitment. It will not go more than an hour. And you'll, you'll be in the room. We're just going to walk through several things. We're going to help you understand the core values that drive serving at Lakeview Church. We're going to let you know the expectations that we hold for every dream team member across every area of service. Doesn't matter what you're doing. These are the things we expect from people who serve on our dream team. Because again, we're creating a culture. And then we're going to help you understand all of the ministries that are available at Lakeview Church. You'll see the entire picture in a very quick window of time. And I want to just invite you to come to that orientation. You say, if I come to that orientation, am I signing my life away? No, you are not. That's why we call it an orientation. It is literally to help you become familiar with serving at Lakeview Church. 
Now, what's the next step coming out of orientation? It's the interest form. The interest form will take you less than five minutes to complete. And the interest form is important for a couple of reasons. One, that's where you take a step from orientation to serving to actually beginning to serve. Okay, so we want to encourage you to take that next step, fill out the interest form. Secondly, you should fill out the interest form because when you do, you will go onto a list of, of people that I communicate with on a regular basis beginning in December. This is one of the things that we know is that we're planning ministry events, we're planning programming, we're looking ahead into the future and there are things that I want our dream team to know about so that you can be praying for them and so that you can be giving yourself to service in those areas and being fully prepared to help those events become a reality. So I want you to fill out that interest form for that reason. And then thirdly, most importantly, fill out the interest form because that helps us know where you are interested in serving so that we can match you to the perfect place. Now, some of you are already serving and you're saying, I don't want to serve anywhere else. And that's fine. We're going to just have you fill out the interest form. You'll get added to the communication list and you're already matched. It's just a speedy process. Others of you will, will come and you'll already be serving and you'll fill out the interest form and you're going to want to continue to serve in that area. But you're also going to learn about some other things in our church and you say, you know, I think God might be and I might be interested in that. And you can put that on the interest form so that we can connect with you in that way. So orientation, interest form, next ministry placement. We just match you. A leader will contact you, have a conversation with you and help you find that perfect place of service. And then we train you. Because we think that people who are gonna serve in a certain capacity ought to know what they're supposed to do in that capacity. One of the biggest complaints that volunteers in volunteer organizations across our nation say after they serve one time, they drop out of serving. And the reason they drop out, number one reason, no one ever told me what I was supposed to do in that role. So we wanted to eliminate that by making sure you got training. Some of that's formal, like sit down and work through some documents so you know exactly what you're supposed to do. Some of it is shadowing people who are already doing that ministry so you get to see it in real time. And then some of it, some of it is actually you just kind of informally having conversations like, what am I supposed to do when that kid won't stop screaming? And then the leader will say, I'm so glad you asked. And they'll, they'll tell you what you're supposed to do, right? And so on the job training. And then finally, after that training, we release you to serve because that's the point. We want you to serve. And listen, it takes all of us to advance the church. It takes all of us to see the purposes of God fulfilled. So I want to encourage you to join the dream team. Now, we're at the end of our service. I've taken way too much of your time. But I want to bring us back to where this all started. Jesus Christ died for us. And through his death and his resurrection, we have experienced forgiveness and we have found freedom. And because of that, because of that, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. And so we're gonna close this service with communion. And so if you came in this morning, you should have got one of these cups. If you didn't get one, can you raise your hand? Our ushers are ready to serve you. And so some hands are going up. Uh, let's make sure we serve them. And for those of you at home, if you've got the elements prepared, this is a great time uh, to make sure that you've got them out in front of you. 
For those of you who like have never been to church before and you're like, what in the world is this thing we're getting ready to do? This is just a, an act that Jesus himself instituted when he gathered with his disciples right before he went to the cross and he took some bread, he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, this bread is my body broken for you. And then he took the cup and in the same way he said, this is my blood, it's shed for you. And what Jesus was doing before he went to the cross is he was giving his disciples some tangible elements to remind them of what he was getting ready to do. And then he told his church to practice this. And so the church ever since the times of Jesus has practiced this particular thing that we're getting ready to do right now where we take some bread and we're reminded that Jesus' body was broken for us. And we take the cup and we remind ourselves that Jesus' blood was spilled for us. And as we do that, we believe that God pours out grace, fresh and new, in our hearts. So if you're here this morning, let's pray uh, in the room. And those of you at home, we're going to pray to consecrate the elements that you've gathered as well. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. These elements that we hold in our hands right now, we just ask that you would bless them and consecrate them. God, we know that they're just ordinary earthly elements, and yet in this moment, we are asking for your grace to just surround them in a powerful way so that our lives can be changed by your grace as we practice this holy sacrament. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So if you're here in the room, I want you to take that top tab and pull that back and that will reveal this wafer and I want you to hold that in your hand and as you do, I want you just to be reminded this morning that Jesus' body was broken for you. He did this so that you could be saved, so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be free. So let's eat this this morning and be thankful in our hearts. And then there's a second tab on that cup. Pull that one back. And that reveals the juice. And as you hold that in your hands, just remind yourself right now that Jesus' blood was spilled for you so that you could be forgiven and made clean. And as we drink this cup this morning, let's do it with thanksgiving. God, we are so very grateful for your mercy in our lives. Thank you. Thank you. God, you have done so much for us. Help us now to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice back to you. And may it begin with the way that we serve inside of this generous community. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen.